Welcome to Arosphere On Air. This podcast is for anyone working in the IT industry that has a genuine interest around what's going on with technology. You could be an MSP, an ISV, a CSP provider, but we will talk about the things that are upcoming. I'm joined today uh, by a guest, Rob. Thanks for coming on, Rob. Um, it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and just to break the ice a little bit, what, what are you having for tea? <laughs> sure. Thank, thanks, James. Thanks for in, in, inviting me. It's, uh, it's great to be chatting today. Um, what am I having for tea? Do you know, now I have to be super honest that I don't actually know. Um, the reason I don't actually know is um, my oldest daughter is a fantastic cook. Um, okay. And she is in charge of it. And <laughs> she's in charge of it to such an extent as I don't even ask, you know, because it's <laughs> this, this is Jessica's domain. And, and 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 thank goodness she's a wonderful chef so whatever it is it will be nice put it like that <laughs> brilliant um uh, yeah so you, you're not the cook in the house it's it's your daughter Absolutely that's that's good not. to hear and, and yeah I'm, I'm kept away from that area to be honest no yeah no I, it's, it's a bit of a passion of mine um so last night um i uh i made a, a prawn linguine just to flip it the other way and with chili and and, and it had some really nice flavor um and maybe a little bit too much spice was the feedback i got from uh, my wife um but i do like things with a little bit of a kick but yeah i do like to get in the kitchen it is quite therapeutic and it's a good way to uh, break away from from a working day um but yeah no so it'd be really great to hear of, about you rob about cycloid and, and some of the history uh, that you've worked in in the industry in as well yeah so I, i've been around for a for a while um and so you know i suppose probably else. 20, 25 years I've been involved in technology, right from you know back in the the, the sort of old days of, of managed hosting and all the way through to you know, transition to DevOps and where we are now with some of the, um, the new ways of working, infrastructure as code, automation. And the, the, yeah, we were we were speaking earlier off air about this whole idea of shifting left, and you know, there's there's a there's a I think there's quite a transformation going on, in, particularly in generally in, in how DevOps is perceived. Typically, it was you know, we throw together the devs and the op team and we come up with a DevOps team. And now it's okay. What do we put into the mix now? We've got you know, DevSecOps. We've so got the then deployment stage at the end, and then oh, oh, you know, can we put things like uh, you know code coverage in there? Oh, I tell you, what we can now throw in there. Let's make the developers responsible for the cost. Let's put FinOps in there as well. So, <laughs> yeah, DevSecOps. The, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think there are there's certainly, you know, in terms of efficiency, there's there's it's a, it makes a lot of sense to to put these disciplines together. Of course, what we've sort of discovered when we we chat with various organisations is you do have to be a bit careful that you're not, um, yeah. Putting these responsibilities on developers who either aren't—that's you know, not what they want to do in their you know, with their with their time, quite frankly—or um, they don't have the tools. And this is this is one of the areas, sort of, we have working with cycloids. One of the areas that we focus on is how do we concentrate uh, our, our efforts on on giving developers the greatest experience. We call this DevX, the developer experience. So how do we how do we allow a developer to get on with their daily job without too much context, uh, you know, context switching? If they're working in their Git environment, from that environment, they should be able to you know, spin up their tests, resolve um, their pull requests, 
uh, you know, get, thing, you know, get things checked, like the code coverage, all done automatically. Um, and then it makes sense. It makes absolute sense to have those disciplines you know, coalescing around the, the DevOps team, but don't overload them because you know, then you, you just end up with moving all the disciplines from one team and just put them in this great big bloated team. So I, there, there is, I think there is some sort of sophistication in terms of the automation and the processes when you think about moving those functions from one area or even introducing those functions if you haven't had them before. Um, and how you allow your developers to uh, execute in an efficient way with the with the right tools and have a great experience at the same time. And we all know it, it's it's difficult to hire yeah. and retain your your developers, so you want to make sure they're having a good time. Absolutely, yeah, no, and and I think it would be really good just to and and there's so much to depict in in, in what we, we've just talked about there, Rob, but. Just to depict, because uh, I think uh, DevOps isn't a new term. It's been around for for a long time, and I think it sometimes gets misconstrued, or there's a misconception. But it'd be good just to set that base level of understanding of what that team and it's ever evolving. And I think you mentioned it. We were talking about it, uh, shifting left. Um, th there's still a lot that that team does, and you're right. The automation and making sure that process flows are, are done in the correct way is really important. But I think just cementing that is is quite important so that everyone knows the, the kind of subject that we're talking about today. Yeah, the, 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 you, and you, you're right. The, the, it's been around, DevOps has been around for a long time, the whole concept of agile development sort of kicked this off. And then um, I think what's, I suppose, um, been an enabler around the DevOps is, is the move to cloud. Because yes. the operational side now is, you know, we'll maybe talk about this as a separate concept of the, the, the platform engineering discipline. But but what's happened with with DevOps is the fact that the operations has become more of a I call it codified, shall we? <laughs> Whereas you know, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna I was gonna sort of give a bit of um, context around this from my history. If I think back ten years ago, when I was working for a hosting provider. When we uh, when we provisioned infrastructure, that was a call to the to the DC ops team who went to the cupboard, pulled out a server, put it in a rack. Yeah, those were the days. Then loaded those an operating system on it, and we ended up with uh, yeah with a remote server we could access and, and run our applications on. Yeah, and the the transformation from that is 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 night and day where we are now. We now yeah, we now basically it's all click ops, and you go to the control. You know, you go to the control panel of your cloud provider. You provision your infrastructure or in your services, and then your networking, and <laughs> your 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 monitoring. It goes on and on and on. Everything is just provisioned by by going in and clicking. And I think that's what you know. That's where DevOps has sort of changed in the 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 deployment of the infrastructure is no longer has, has no manual process now everything is done either you know, through a console by clicking and sure. selecting which is fantastic and still is fantastic it's amazing that you can go and do that and get your infrastructure provision so easily but it also brings in some other challenges in the if, for instance, if you just take something like I don't know deploying an RDS or or a, a, an AWS service, you can be presented with literally thousands of options that all, all require a click and all require um, 
you know, effectively configuration, um, which is great that you can do that, but also it also means now you're responsible for maintaining that, and that in itself is um, yeah, is, is is quite resource intensive. So, so what we've seen is this concept of click ops where you go around and you click and that's how you're operating your organization just by clicking things and uh, making your deployment and and that's still relevant for small scale deployments probably just as easy to do that once you get up to any sort of scale that becomes pretty unmanageable and this is where the whole kind of devops piece comes in the, the way the developers deal with um, applications is they use things like Git and version control. Nobody would consider trying to do it any other way because it's just so efficient. And when you get a few thousand lines of code, it's really the only way to manage it, and particularly when you're collaborating. So the whole Git approach with um, developing applications is just the norm. Now what we're seeing is GitOps is coming in. So GitOps is basically replacing ClickOps, and the idea of GitOps is you treat your infrastructure um, as code, and you treat that in the same way you would treat your application code. So every time you make a change within your infrastructure, that gets pushed into your Git, um, it gets version controlled, and um, and then it allows you obviously to automate it, because once it's got code on it, you can then automate it, and you can use you know, the, the sort of provisioning tools that we're familiar with. And it's just so surprising that how many large-scale organizations are actually running their business and it's still so manually run and there's no automation uh, when they launch a new service or uh, they uh, spin up a new application or a new software within their business how little interaction there is of actually automation in the background to streamline that process it's still quite alarming how some enterprise organizations and, and some you know, small and medium-sized organizations set up their business and I guess, I guess you will find that a lot when you with the companies that you work with we, we do it's, it's it's one of the biggest challenges now it's, it's all driven by the, the move to you know, typically everyone's moved to cloud either, either they're already there or they're you know certainly well on their way um and it's well okay so we, cloud is great but how do we then benefit from the the, the tooling that's out there, how do we benefit from automation? And then once you start getting down the automation route, the next thing you discover, particularly if you've got multiple teams, is everybody's doing their own thing. So um, you end up with kind of a bit of the wild west where you've got your, you know, what tends to happen is you have a center of excellence and they tend to sort of go down one, one, one route and then you've got another team who've got their favorite tools and they're going down another route and you end up with this this world where everybody's effectively reinventing the wheel so one of the things we try and, and help with is bringing all that together in um, by federating your automation across uh, your organization things that uh, yeah the easy place so something like a self-service uh, you know, self-service portal where you come in you say okay i want to provision um some database services or some infrastructure services that's just a uh, you know, uh, a piece of automation that we're just going to reuse over and over in our organization and then you benefit from um being able to obviously have best practices you know what we used to call golden images but you know now you would you know some, some sort of template that follows your company policies and is respectful of um, the governance you've got within your organization all that can be baked in to the base templates of that automation and then reused 
by other teams. And what's nice about this is it's not um, it's not sometimes I think governance has a, a negative connotation, but governance should be an enabler. Governance should sure. enable people to self-service, do you know, not go and have to open a ticket to have a port change, but be able to change the port themselves within, you know, you're going to open all the within certain info policies which you can follow. And that yes. is good for everybody. And that absolutely speeds it up. So that, that's kind of some of the challenges we see. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and the standardization of a, of, because every, yeah, every department um, or every creation of a, of a, an app or every team that's creating an app will do things slightly differently. They might be using different hyperscalers. They might be using different um, tooling capability. And uh, there's no standardization. Um, you know, there's no baseline. There's there's lots of different bits at different points of the DevOps cycle that different things are superior. Um, and getting some of these have been mentioned on this call. But it, it's hard because there's such a proliferation of different services and different offerings available that standardizing on one for a company is is what needs to happen otherwise you get this sprawl no central management no uh, and then i talked about it in a, in a previous podcast but people get this cloud scare where they go they move over to public cloud uh, from running in uh, the, the hosting capability that you were talking about in a data center in a co-location and and the cross spiral because they they've potentially moved and they haven't really looked at and there's so many just looking at aws there are so many different versions of servers and storage and compute capability that it's impossible to keep up to date with that and be on the best one that's right for it but writing it at the code level and treating infrastructure as code is is probably the best way in which to enable that and be front-footed yeah i, t I totally agree that it, it, it is it's a, it's now if platform engineering is a, is a is a recognized discipline for some of those reasons that you've you've just described to keep a, abreast of every development within just a single uh, you know cloud provider is uh, is a challenge on its own. When you've got organisations and many organisations are doing this, where they're, they're taking the multi-cloud approach, sure, it's yeah, it just becomes exponentially more difficult. So being able to have experts that are providing that service, and this is typically what we see with the platform uh, teams, is their responsibility is to provide that that uh, structure that you're going to run whatever on, but it will be run on a platform that's been provisioned either by yourself automatically but using the knowledge of somebody who is an expert in that field and this is whenever we're talking about implementing these kind of uh, you know, platform engineering structures and, and the tooling you're going to have there's no such thing as no ops this is just a the fantasy somebody has to understand how it all works and that and you do need a core of very um knowledgeable people or you can you can outsource that we you know we provide those services to organizations where they can skill up you know, and, and do sort of knowledge transfer from what what our teams have learned when they're deploying these um these platforms out across organizations but there's you, you somebody's got to manage it in, at the end of the day so absolutely it, it, the the efficiency you get of, of obviously having a tool is you've got that small team of real core competence and their knowledge 
is basically being federated across your organization, allowing people who you know, really don't want to or don't need to know the intricacies of every single parameter when you're deploying a, you know, an AWS VPC or whatever. It's just, it's just it's unnecessary. So you you capture that knowledge. You you gather it as you're saying as infrastructure is code. So you programmatically capture that 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 knowledge, and then you allow people to self-service. So they they benefit from all that, uh, you know, all the latest and the greatest within the cloud. They don't actually have to really fully understand it, nor nor should they. Quite frankly, they should be getting on with their day-to-day job of you know, either deploying an application or managing a, an application or developing whatever. So, yeah. So definitely agree with that yeah no it's 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 a it's a really interesting one and um the the emergence of the platform team as you mentioned is really interesting as well because they are you know infrastructure and platform are getting closer and closer together you you go back uh, five years ten years you would have had an infrastructure team um i think you mentioned it um dcs team or whatever they were called um in the company you worked at but yeah, that that platform capability and that platform team just need to make sure that it's running and that they will have the the subject matter expert on, you know, the hyperscalers and, and those bits. And then, like you say, the development teams can work on the bits that they need to uh, and, and make sure that they can uh, do the the relevant tests uh, to to get their software where it needs to be um, and, and go through the various cycles um, of, of it. But yeah, it's it's definitely an area that um you know it, it across all different types of customers and you've got more experience of working <clears> with the end customers in that front i don't know if there's anyone and and even the company that you work for yourselves are a, a great example of 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 deploying that kind of infrastructure as code mentality um and delivering it is, is there any examples that you can talk about rob obviously yeah, we um there's a there's a, the, uh, an American saying, you know, eat your own dog food, you know, and, and that's absolutely drink your own champagne as well. Yeah, that's right. It sounds slightly I think better. That's a European translation of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I think it might be. That, I think I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very keen to to, to show because it, it, it yeah, we we are developing an application and we have front end, back end teams, and obviously, you know, we we got um, operational teams, and they are they all do work truly as a a proper DevOps team, and it's the reason that they can collaborate together is because we've got the tooling in place, and there is, you know, you've got the basic sort of <clears throat> um, the the basic collaboration tools, you know, your Slack and how we all communicate together. But then you've got the lower level tools where you're you're collaborating in your uh, Git environment on both your code and on your infrastructure. And I think that's where it's nice to demonstrate how we we do it when 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 we do do uh, demonstrations to prospects. Typically, we show how we are developing the application, and we'll go right down to particularly if it's a, a very technical team. We'll go right down and we'll show that this is the Git that our engineers are working in. When there's a pull request, they simply click this. Cycloid goes away. It builds the whole of the test. Um, uh, the, the testing environment they need. Um, so it provisions obviously the infrastructure, but it also uh, puts on the application and then they can go and test their pull request and you know, hopefully you know, commit it. But um, what we like to show is that automation you're using to build your test 
is exactly the same automation that's being used to deploy the whole application. So we're not creating new automation every time you want to run a test, uh, you know, test harness or test routine. We are simply using the automation that we use to deploy the application and we just create a, you know, a, a, a separate um, branch in the Git. Uh, it gets created, you service your pull request, and then it all gets destroyed. And you as a developer don't, don't have to get involved in that at all. That all happens, you get presented with the, you know, with the IP address and how you log on to it. And then once you close that pull request, it just gets destroyed. And we, that's one of the that's one of the kind of nice you know, demonstrations we we show is that literally how we use it in in, in our day to day work in our day to day deployment and development of our application. No, no, it's, it's it's really interesting and definitely it's good to drink your own champagne or as you put it, eat your own dog food. But uh, I, I realise that we've we've discussed quite a bit on this uh, this conversation. But if you were to leave. Any kind of uh, we, we've touched on click ops, um, we've touched on infrastructure as code and the emergence of the platform team. Is there anything you'd like to kind of leave uh, as a kind of closing remarks, as it were, um, specifically on on this subject? I think um, I think plan, planning is is key with all these all these moves. Um, it's it's I think it's very easy to get sucked into the latest and greatest um, and. Uh, and, and this is what I spoke about earlier, where you end up with all these desperate systems and everybody doing their own thing. I do think you know, having a coherent sort of plan of how and what and we spoke about shift left, what you what makes sense for your organisation, you know, and then what tooling works, and then you know what what processes you want to bring in. So that kind of cycle of, of DevOps is it's yeah you know, it's it's well established, but I still think it's it's a great starting point for anybody who's you know going down this route think about that and it's where we start from whenever we're you know we're advising uh, organizations and some of which are you know pretty mature other which are moving you know, you know uh, headstrong into devops we always start at that at that point you know what, what are you trying to achieve let's, let's do the circle let's you know do the iterations and then um and then we'll start thinking about actually doing anything <laughs> or, or, or buying any software or, or you know, the, because of the difficulty you're going to have, the biggest difficulty is the actual change in the way the teams operate, because that's yeah, changing the culture is anybody who's got been involved with DevOps will say the same thing. You've got to plan really careful for that piece, because that's going to be the gotcha. Yes. Never underestimate yeah. the difficulty it is to change you know, the way people have been working and and the culture of an organization you need to have so much you, know, you, you need to plan for it and make sure you bring everybody along right at the beginning no i couldn't couldn't agree more it needs careful methodical mm. planning and and being um, respectful for how different teams run different things and what applications or tooling they use to to move things um in into uh, from a software perspective so yeah it, absolutely it, it starts with the groundwork and it's probably a long time before any changes are made and, and being coherent to the organization and, and the feelings of people and how that culture is as well is, is super important no i really appreciate taking the time rob and, and i really hope um no one else can see but obviously there's a podcast but i hope your neck and your spine gets better uh, in time and uh, yeah uh, thanks again for taking the time to talk us through this really interesting pleasure. Uh, thanks really appreciate it thanks for inviting me no no worries
Take care. All the best.